Matt, it's really important to really understand one thing. You can have the trust of your RVP, but if you don't have the trust of your AVP and SVP, they can make your life hell. Because when coaching plans have to come, when you're on a down year, they may push that RVP to push you out of the business. When you're building trust with your RVP and your AVP and you bring them into deals, that's really the only way to build trust with senior leadership. If you bring them into deals and they see you perform, you're winning the first 90 days, 120 days, the three years, four years in your company. Where do you think trust breaks down? One, you gotta trust yourself. And and you can't expect other people to trust you if you don't trust yourself. So you gotta do that first. You gotta believe and trust in yourself. Try to go about your first 90 days in a silo and you don't involve the people around you in nearly everything you do. I would say that involve my leadership in all of my calls, in all my internal planning, in everything that I could do so they feel like they're being included. It's a way of managing up early so you don't get that reactive snap in the chalk line driven down on you around a performance plan. People are questioning the direction you're driving the account team. Get them involved and keep them involved early as a way of managing up and evangelize what you're doing in your one-on-one. Have a point of view and perspective on why you're excited, all the things you're doing, and ask your leader, what am I missing? What can I be doing better? What can I be doing different? Be open to the feedback. It's not a personal attack. They're going to try to coach you, maybe overcome coach you in the beginning until they really have a full assessment of your skill set. Let them do it. Be humble. You're going to build out your niche in the organization through that collaborative process, but you really want to manage up effectively. That'll keep you out of the weeds later on. I'll take it a tactical step further, like real life example in terms of different leaders I've had. Sometimes I ask if it's okay my RVP to have a skip level with the AVP and then a skip level with the SVP. And those conversations are typically giving those leaders feedback from the field. Hey, this is what I'm struggling with. This is how I'm winning. This is how I'm winning. I'm wondering what's the best way to help this scale to help the region win, right? Now you're already talking like a leader because you're going above and beyond your number. You're talking about their number. The best AEs not only care about their number, but they care about my number, right? And I think you can articulate that in the skip levels. Another tactical step on something that you said is when you're building that trust with those different leaders, if you can own that you don't know the answer to some of the questions they're asking. I think a lot of times sellers think they got to have all the answers. They appreciate the honesty because they're forecasting that deal to come in that month or that quarter. And they're going to ask you to do something very tactical to shrink your deal and bring it in, right? And I think if you're honest and open to say, hey, the reason we're not closing for a million, $2 million is because we don't understand right now who the key change agent, maybe it's their chief architect, how they're thinking about our solution and their overall architectural stack. I think if we solve that, which we have a good, really good chance, I heard he or she is a fan of our solution. If I can get you aligned with that person, I really would like to take out the tactical step, taking down the 100K deal. Because I think we have a shot at the million in three months, but I need your help here. When you're painting the vision for where you're going within a deal that hasn't closed, and you got to have a vision for where you're taking it, a lot of people will find value in your vision three or four deals out as to why this deal is really just a setup. Sometimes it's transacting it as fast as possible to get to the next step. There's, and you've also got it like there's political clout. You might, when you go up two levels, you've got this opportunity to be like, I'm brand new, right? 
And it would be really helpful for me to understand how you see the business and how you operate so that I can do the same in alignment, just as I would with my accounts, right? But what else do you look at outside of that? And how do I make sure that I'm driving to the KPIs that are meaningful to you at your level? Uh, It's just going to help me make a better student of this business as I continue to move forward throughout my career. And you really can only ask that early on because if you've been there for three years and you go back and ask that question, you kind of look like a fool. Put your ego on a shelf, be humble, recognize that in your early days, you've got a unique window where you can ask questions that you might feel others should know, but you have an excuse to not know them early on. And that's how you build relationships. And they're really going to appreciate the fact that you reached out to them because most folks are afraid of those three little letters in front of your name, SVP, AVP, senior SVP, whatever it might be. They're just people They put the pants on the same as you and I. Uh, this is an interesting story, man. I was a mid-market rep. We opened a new office. Manager was in a meeting and the SVP, the leader came in to the office. And people were afraid of this leader, right? They didn't even look him in the eye. And I got up, saw him coming in, shook his hand and I go, hey, he's like, where's your manager at? And I said, oh, he's not in. He's in a meeting. Oh, I just got into town. I want to check the office. Out. I'm like, I'll walk you around. So I go ahead. I walk him around. I'm telling him the story of like, why do we have you know these bricks on the 10th floor and and I'm telling them everything. And I'm a mid-market rep and I'm getting looks from the whole floor. Like, what is this guy doing? But I wanted to build a relationship. And by the way, this leader was an incredible seller. He got things done. He moved the needle in the business. So I thought I had this rapport. Obviously not. And I almost think he was doing it to be hard on me, but we were in an EIC. We got the client. We're ready to meet. I got my manager with me. He shows up and I'm like, hey, how's it going? And I'm all nonchalant, cavalier. And he goes, how's it going? He goes, well, I'll tell you how it's going. And he pulls out his mobile phone and does a full out pipeline review. I had 60 grand closed. He goes, wait a minute, you got an 80K commit when you got 350K in pipeline? My manager tries to come to my defense and all of a sudden he turns his lasers on her and basically does a full out review on her pipeline and what she has closed for the team And then he's part of the EIC with me. So we have to sit into the EIC. And then there was a moment where I was able to jab back. And I think I earned the trust a little later where I said, could you show the client how you can see where your business is currently in any quarter, any month with any team? And he looked at me and grinned because he knew that's what he just did to me on the EIC floor. And I think that was his personality. But I didn't back down because I knew it was going to build a relationship. And I don't really ever know how I stood with him, but he came in and he helped me win that deal. And I think just you got to lean in, be yourself and not be afraid. I guess you can think of it this way. Think of how much worse it might have been if he didn't know you, you know? (laughs) It could have been a totally different outcome. And the fact that, you know, he was in your meeting showed that he was vested somewhat in you. And, And to your point before, like, you know, if you don't spend that time early shepherding him around the office, Maybe he doesn't show up for your meeting at all because everyone was trying to get him. And I know who you're talking about. I've got a similar story. I, w- I was 30 days into a new role and I was running a handful of, of really large enterprise accounts at a dot com in like started in very early 2000s. At this point, it was probably like 2010. We're having a QBR and the organization I worked at, a QBR was a firing event. It was not an upskilling event. It was viewed as if you do this wrong, like you're under the, the thumb for the next quarter. And then if that doesn't fix it, you're gone in another quarter. We used to use the term, if you do these things, they will smell the blood in the water. And that's when the sharks come out. And like, I've, 
it's always stuck with me is this like PTSD statement. So I'm brand new on an account. It's this massive global bank that I've taken over. I'm 30 days into it. I knew this QBR was coming up and coming and I had stepped out of leadership to take on this role. So I knew what we were going to be measured on. I knew how to tell the story. In a three-week period, I do 42 on-site visits. This is like a very different time in my career when all I'm doing is working. I'm I'm in like six states in the Southeast. And I build just what I think is the sweetest deck for somebody in my position. And I tell the story about how this is the next big transformational opportunity in this patch. During my presentation, he stops me in the middle of the presentation. Me an obscure question that I've never I didn't realize we were measured on. He's like, where are the people? So I've got all the office locations on it. It's kind of this heat map I built on where I had done these discovery calls. I was like, I don't really understand the question, right? And he proceeds to take his tie off and, be- and just berate me for my lack of knowledge, understanding of the business. Dude, I like seven years in, I like six time club member. I'm sitting there and I'm not shrinking while he's talking to me. I'm feeling so disrespected in the time and commitment I'd made to that organization but I couldn't respond like that, right? So I had to respond in a way of saying, you know, in all due respect, I didn't recognize that was a KPI, but I have done all of these other things to build to what I think is going to be a meaningful project for us, which has a significant contractual event tied to it. And I thought I was measured on that, right? And that even, that pissed him off even more. So he was the chief revenue officer. So the SVP jumps in and says like, listen, you got to recognize he's 30 days into role. This is a really good point of view and perspective. Like I've got executive alignment. I've got some business justification built out alongside this and I've got a plan, right? I still look up to her and, and she was a rock star. I, I I really appreciated not only her stepping up for me at, at that time, but where I think leadership needs to be careful is because it was a straw that broke the camel's back and I left 30 days later. And it was because the representation and how he showed up and how he addressed me was something I just wasn't willing to tolerate. And it, if it was constructive, I would have taken it. It was personal. It was it had some real negative undertones in, into it. And it didn't make sense. <laughs> so I looked at it as like, either we're really unhealthy as a company or something's going on in our leader's life that is destroying the perception of reality in, in the situation that we were in. And I just knew I didn't want to be part of it anymore. There's also a measurement of that too. Like when you're 90 days into a role, you might find that, that this was not the right step for you. And it could be in a new organization. And I've done that too. And you get in there and you quickly assess that like, wow, did I misread this? And that's okay too. You go back to winning the interview and you do it again. And sometimes it sucks. Sometimes it's a, it's a process you got to repeat. Uh, four companies my entire life, but two of them were in a six month period. One of those where I stepped in and it wasn't the right fit. What really resonated with me when you talked about the leader who's grilling you on maybe things that you don't have the answers to right away, an ally, because you probably built a relationship with that SVP that they trust you enough to actually maybe stand up for you in front of their boss or their boss's boss. So I think that's key. Another thing that you reminded me of a story when I got hired and within the first three weeks, we had a $300,000 opportunity, which was a big opportunity in the commercial space. You close a $300,000 opportunity for those account size. It was great. So I had to go to Virginia. It was a big bank. I'm prepping with my RVP And he's giving me a masterclass on how we're going to present this. We're going to present with an iPad, and then we're going to go to the whiteboard, and then we're going to use slides. And he said, if any seller can use three forms of communication to articulate a solution, you've really mastered it. And he said, it needs to feel different when they buy from us. So we go into the bank, and that meeting was only an hour. That meeting went two and a half hours. We had them eating out of our hand, Uh, but he carried me a lot. And then I got into the car, and I looked at him, and I said, So am I the guy you thought you hired? 
And he smiled. He goes, times where I was like moving the marker when you were moving the marker and talking on what you were saying because I wanted you to do so well. And I knew right there I earned his trust. Like he was rooting me on because he was teaching me new concepts, new sales techniques that I've never learned before. I've never presented on an iPad. I've never whiteboarded in front of a customer on how we were going to give them an advantage. But asking that question at the end of that feedback, right? Like, am I the guy you thought you hired? It just goes to show that there were learning opportunities, you know, how I felt I was being impacted, people leaning in to you. Yeah. All right, Matt, let's go ahead and close things out. You said something interesting to me on how season one is something that even applies to season two. When you think about set the tone, treat the interview like a sales cycle, tell effective deal stories and win the compensation. Talk to our sellers about what you mean by that. So we made a comment in a statement in the past that everything is a sales cycle and you are a sales professional. It's what you're best at. First 90 days is really just proving what you said in the interview process is, is accurate. I am who I say I am. Let's take some elements and some tone from guidance around winning the interview. So in your first 90 days, I would take the opportunity to set the tone, not only with your account team, with your leadership and your peers as to who you are and how you're going to run your business, bringing your past into the new role your plan to attack the first 90 days and what the execution looks like around that. That'll make you different from day one. An extension of that is continuing the concept of your referral buzz. You did it while you were networking to get the role. Start doing it internally. Those are your first customers, your peers, your primes, your specialists, your engineers, your architects. Those are all the folks that you need to get strong alignment with. You're going to set the tone in each one of those discussions, and you're going to create buzz and interest in working with you and you're going to begin to build trust with those people. So when you need them, they show up. And as you build your your bank of trust, that becomes your compensation essentially because that trust bank builds over time. That ask for an architect and a product specialist to fly out to Portland with you on Tuesday morning and it's Friday, they're going to show up because they know that you've got the skill set and and you've just done the right things to put them in a good position to win as well. Wow, Matt. I love how you rounded that out. So if you've listened to Dan Matt season 1, a lot of the concepts in these podcasts are definitely meant to be listened in succession, right? Because you got to get the role. You got to keep the role. And if you listen to us long enough, we're going to show you how to thrive in long runs at companies and do your best work with your team, but more importantly, for who you are and what you align to and what you value. All right, Matt, why don't you take us out with a little bit of wisdom? It's hard to lead a cavalry charge if you think you look funny on a horse. <laughs>